Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Who are those guys? I'm Galen. And I'm Doug. And we're those movie guys. Bringing movie reviews and previews to the masses since 2007. Today is July 30th, 2007, and coming up on the show, we review The Simpsons Movie, as well as take a look at the two DVD releases, Renaissance and Zodiac. Also coming up on the show, we'll look at our top five TV shows that we'd most like to see made into movies, as well as comment on some of the listener feedback we've gotten on our website. But we're going to start today's show off with our review of The Simpsons movie. Well, for at least the past ten years, there have been rumors that a Simpsons movie was in the works, but it never seemed to actually get made. So naturally, when I heard that a Simpsons movie was finally going to be released, I had the natural response, someone still cares about The Simpsons? Well, apparently they do, because the film currently ranks at number 43 on IMDb's Best Films of All Time, with a rating of 8.7 and over 14,000 votes. However, while we both love the older episodes of the series, I think it's fair to say we're not sure The Simpsons can still be relevant in a world that contains the much edgier South Park and Family Guy. So, Doug, obviously the fans love the film, but do you? Or does it continue The Simpsons' downhill trend? Well, being that I haven't seen The Simpsons in a while, I guess I can't comment on that trend. But I did like the movie. I thought it was very funny. I thought the millions of sight gags throughout the movie were hilarious. And so I would say maybe, no, it doesn't continue its downhill trend. Now, not being a diehard fan... You know, maybe I... Well, you said the fans love the movie, right? Yeah, apparently See, uh, from IMDb. I guess I would have thought maybe the other way, that the fans might have been disappointed, and just your casual moviegoers might have liked the film more. And the reason I say that is because if I had to make any critiques against this, mm-hmm. is that... I didn't see much from the the supporting characters. Yeah, the periphery the, characters, yeah, the Moes, the, the Krusty. Yeah, and um, they're they're my favorites. Yeah, I know. I, mean, I wanted to see more of them. I definitely agree with you there, Mr. Burns. Oh, he, he he's gets way two great, He gets two great moments. Yeah, but and that's, that's it. it. Nothing else. Yeah. Well, I I'm kind of on board with you. I don't think I liked it as much as you. But I, I will say I liked it a lot more than I was expecting. I, I thought it was very funny and charming. And you're right. It does it has all the Simpsons sight gags and trademarks that you're expecting from them. And it, also I feel that the cast is very I mean it's it's what you'd expect. They're right, they're right. good, but I mean you see it every week, so you expect that from them. I I do have problems though, I mean while it's better than most of the recent episodes, I definitely won't say it continues the downhill trend, because I think this is much better than it has been in the past couple years. But at the same time, the it's not as funny or as good as a lot of the classic episodes were. 
like the Stonecutters episode is one that I'm thinking of, mm-hmm. where Homer jo- joins the secret society. The the Mr. Plow episode is funnier than this. Also, most of the early Treehouse of Horror episodes are are funnier than this. And I mean, that is a problem. They make a joke about uh, seeing paying to see something when you could see it for, Watch free. It for free. Yeah, and especially when the the older episodes for free are funnier than this, that is a problem. Well, and you know, one thing I was kind of worried that they might do in they they actually did do this in the movie was have almost a, a hate to use the word dramatic it just doesn't seem like it fits for the Simpsons but you know kind of a some tension between the family you know yeah. splitting up and and coming back together you know you know what I'm trying yeah to I know about. exactly yeah. what you're saying yeah but I mean at the same time. <laughs> They do that. They have done that so many times. I mean, Marge has gotten fed up with Homer so many times and has either thrown him out or run out on him. And it's it's getting to the point that it's just the same thing all over again. And and you get it in the movie. And right. That's, well, and I, that's what I was getting at. I kind of expected it in the right. movie. It almost, it's like they're trying to add some depth to the movie where yeah. they don't necessarily need to. See, I don't know. I don't know if they are or not, because like I said, you get that same formula in the episodes. And um, I agree with you, it's a flaw, but it's more so a flaw with the whole Simpsons format (laughs) than it is in the film itself. Um, You know, and that's kind of a problem with a lot of the things is, and one of the reasons I don't watch, I used to watch The Simpsons religiously, and... I, I catch it every once in a while now, and it disappoints me more often than not, because you've just seen it all before. I mean, and that's not really their fault. I think Matt Groening is a fantastically brilliant comedic artist. I think he's great at what he's written here. But, but after doing it yeah. 17 years. And I'd love to see him move on to something else. I mean, he had Futurama a few years ago, which was great. And I, I think in a lot of ways better than The Simpsons. And he, I would love to see him move on. It's It's been 18 years, I think, already. At least, yeah. 18, 17, 19, 18. in that area. And I think it's time to move on. Because he has the talent. It's just, you've milked this cow dry. But I, I don't want to sound like I d- didn't like it at all, because I did laugh in parts, right. and I, I thought it was funny. I did think some jokes tried a little too hard, which is a problem that The Simpsons have been getting. I mean, you they were almost moments where one person in the audience might chuckle, and that was about it. The one person who hasn't seen the series. Right, right, over. right. And um, it's like if a comedian told that joke, it's one of those that you'd be embarrassed for him because it just—it's just trying too hard to be funny. Well, and sometimes I thought that too, where with these other more edgier shows like uh, Family Guy on the air now in South Park, you, you had to to figure they might try and push the envelope a little bit more. Right. And they did. And you're right, it almost hurts the film as a whole because it's, you can tell it's, well, you know, that that's not normal to the series and it doesn't really belong here. Yeah, and, you know, uh, there is one other issue that's kind of on a whole different level of what we've been talking about, but visually, I don't think it looked that good. 
I mean... Oh, I actually disagree. Well, okay, hear me out. Okay, I will. It looks a lot better than a Simpsons episode. And there are some really neat effects that they throw in. But, if you compare it to, say, I would say just a normal episode of Family Guy, I don't know how much better it looks than that. Because, I mean, Family Guy has all the nice... And granted, Family Guy is a ridiculously expensive cartoon to produce. It's something like $3 million an episode, which is unheard of in animation. But, it, so, I mean, they definitely have deep pockets for a show. But, I, honestly, like I said, I, I, there are some effects that obviously you wouldn't see in Family Guy that were in the Simpsons movie. But the basic animation, I don't think was any better. And I think that's a problem if you're comparing a film, an animated film to an animated series, I think you expect it to look a lot better. And then I guess maybe I'm having a hard time understanding. I mean, I thought the animation was good. I thought it, it resembled the series a lot, but I didn't see that as a negative. I thought it was very colorful. You know, I thought some of the scenes actually... As simplistic as the art style of The Simpsons is, I actually found that there were a couple wow moments. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, I didn't want them to change the style. Right, you wouldn't want to see no, tons of computer-generated... No. I, I didn't want them to change the style. I just... I don't think it looks that much better than an episode. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. But I guess you view it as a negative. I didn't. I didn't. I wouldn't say I viewed it as a positive. Well, but I, I just think if you have deep pockets, which I don't know how much they spent to make this yeah, movie, but either. but much more than an episode. I I just expect a little more. I don't. Know. Okay. Well, like I said, that's fair. Um. One thing I wish they would have included too. This is kind of getting back to the more periphery characters, seeing more of them. I thought they were going to have more cameos in the movie. Well, yeah, I actually did, too. And you basically only have Tom Hanks right. and uh, Green Day. Yeah. And yeah, and th those are both minor parts. I actually thought they would have an actor be a major character in the film. Because right. that, that's what The Simpsons kind of got started in the first place, was cameos in an right. animated series. Right, you had series. them all over the place. Yeah. And, and I have to say, I was a little disappointed that... It was just Green Day and yeah. Tom Hanks. Though Although Tom funny. Hanks is hilarious. Yes, they're both funny, <laughs> but, but, but I would like to have seen more. I have a feeling we'll probably not be too far off on our scores Probably here. not. I gave the Simpsons movie a three and a half. I gave it a three. So I think we're both saying, if definitely if you're a fan, you'll like it. And even if not, you might get a few chuckles. Yeah, but I think there's still a lot of good, funny stuff yeah, here. Yeah, but it's nothing earth-shattering either. Okay, well now we're going to, first of all, talk about films that we'll be releasing in the coming weeks on DVD and in theaters. And then we're going to take a look at some listener feedback. On this Tuesday coming up, the 31st, we have on DVD... The I think we both agree that it was a great film, Hot Fuzz. Which yes, that was, was a great comedy by Simon Pegg. Yes. Also Shaun of the Dead. Hilarious. And then we have The Horrible 300. Oh. I think we can both agree it's horrid. 
I don't know if we agree necessarily the degree to which it is horrid, but quite... It's pretty bad. Quite bad. And then we have Pathfinder, which I was curious about, but it, the film with uh, the Vikings invading North America, I, I was interested in that, but it got horrible, horrible reviews. <laughs> so I'm thinking that might be one where I was seduced by a trailer, so I might... I don't know. I might get around to it, but we'll see. And then we have Starter for Ten, which is a little independent romantic comedy that's actually supposed to be quite good. I have that in my Netflix queue for the week, so I'm going to be checking that out. Then coming up this Friday in theaters, it's a whole lot of bad. But there is one good thing, The Bourne Ultimatum. I, I'm a huge fan of The Bourne films. You Have you seen any of them yet, or are you still I catching up? I need to rewatch the second. I did see the first. Okay. Though. Okay, so you need to catch up with them, but they're great films. I, I really think they're what Casino Royale tried and failed to be. Then we have Charlie Bartlett, which is that film about the high school student who kind of becomes a psychologist to the his fellow classmates. It reminds me a lot of the old 80s TV show Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Oh, I don't know if you... <laughs> yeah, you remember that? It reminds me a lot of that and how, it, how it's set up, but I don't know. It, it looks like it might not be too bad. I'm kind of on the fence with it. Then we go from bad to worse. We have Hot Rod which is the horrible stuntman movie coming out. That might be funny. Like, <laughs> if you're a retard, Some people baby. like slapstick comedy. Yeah, if it's like Benny Hill slapstick, but <laughs> if it's Rob Schneider slapstick, I think I could stay away from it. Poor Rob Schneider. <laughs> Please never say that again. <laughs> Uh, then we have the Underdog movie. Well, that which, does look stupid. Well, the curious thing with the Underdog movie is obviously it's a movie they're gearing towards kids, because no adult would be retarded enough to see it. <laughs> but why on... Does any kid care about Underdog? I remember when I was a kid, which, you know, that's 20 years ago now, I would see underdog cartoons, and I would get pissed off because I wanted something else to be on. I was mad that it wasn't Bugs Bunny. And I can't imagine that 20 years later, underdog has suddenly become cool again. Well, I don't think it has. I think it's more of a case where, you know, animals that talk and do these strange humanistic things, or in this case, superhero things is appealing to kids, and they just happen to, you know, pull that series. I don't think there's any popularity. I bet even the core audience who watches this film doesn't even know the original underdog cartoon even exists. Probably not. You're probably right. And then we have the movie that proves that we should not base films off of merchandise. Bratz, the movie. Yeah, they, definitely, though, if there's an award for best product placement in films... Like they uh, have on Futurama, then we definitely need to give it to Bratz. So that's what's coming out, and like I said, other than Born Ultimatum, nothing too spectacular and a whole lot of crappy. Well, now let's get to our listener feedback. We're like I said, we're going to try to do this now on every week's show. 
First of all, we started a poll question on our uh, Blogspot account. Just go to blogspot.com slash those movie guys, and you'll be able to see our blog. And it's uh, the last week's poll question was, what's your favorite end of the world movie to go with our top ten li- or top five list? And Doctor Strangelove just narrowly beat out the Terminator series and Romero's Dead series. And fortunately, no votes for Armageddon. So it got, what, zero out of the five zero. total votes? Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we didn't have a ton of votes, that's true. But uh, we didn't comment on it. So this week we want you to come to our Blogspot account and vote for, uh, for our poll. This week's question is, the Simpsons movie is releasing this week. And your response is, excellent. Or, my cat's breath smells like cat food. So those are all, of course, Simpsons quotes, and an extra point to anyone who knows what the, who they all come from. Now to the actual viewer mail, or listener mail that we got. Remember, we talked about J.K. Rowling's comments on last week's show. Well, as it turns out, J.K. Rowling is Patrick from Germany. So... I think we might just hit a major thing that J.K. Rowling's actually a man. <laughs> so I think we were the first to break that story that J.K. Rowling is a German man. So way to go, though. She looks pretty good for a German male. So, But in all seriousness, thank you, Patrick. We've gotten a lot of feedback from him on various things from our Bridge to Terabithia oh, fight geez. to the Harry Potter reviews. So we appreciate your feedback. And then we have a note from Gustavo from Montana, our friend Gus. Yep, it's good to hear from you. Definitely, even if he is living in Montana. We have <laughs> we have early he had an earlier review for us on The Simpsons and his basic thought was kinda like ours. He said it's okay, but it's kinda like a long Simpsons episode. And definitely I think we both agree with yeah. that. And finally, Wendell from Washington State uh, sent us a comment on our MySpace page, and he said, he asked us, isn't Altoona mentioned frequently in Groundhog Day? And he's right. It is. It's the city where the blizzard's supposed to hit. That's right. And I think we both should say that Groundhog Day is one of our favorite Bill Murray comedies. I love the movie. Yeah, it is a fantastic movie, and probably the only movie that mentions Altoona in it, at least that I know of. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I can't imagine any other movie to mention it. So that's it for this week's feedback. We appreciate everything, and before moving on to the next set of reviews, we'd like to tell you if you have any feedback for this week's show on any of our reviews or lists, we'd like you to email us at thosemovieguys at gmail.com or post a message to our blog or our forums or on MySpace. Finally releasing to DVD is the movie Renaissance. Well, it seems like you and I have been waiting for Christian Volkman's Renaissance for years. We first heard about the film nearly two years ago, and its unique visual style intrigued us, especially after seeing the visually dynamic Sin City, which this seemed to resemble only in animated form. However, we never got the film in theaters, and it seemed as though it was never going to be released on DVD. Finally, we managed to get a copy. 
The film takes place in a dystopian future. Fifty years from now, where a cosmetic company known as Avalon controls Paris. Daniel Craig provides the voice of Karis, a policeman given the assignment of tracking down a kidnapped scientist who works for Avalon. Of course, as often happens in evil Big Brother societies, Karis begins to unfold a conspiracy that covers the police force, the government, and the Avalon company. So, after setting up the film for those listeners who have never heard of Renaissance, which is probably most of them, I'll ask you, Galen, was this one worth the wait? Did they check it out? You know, this is was a difficult one for me. But overall, I'm going to say yes, it was worth the wait, and yes, I think they definitely should check it out. I, I'm going to base almost all of that on its visual style, because I don't know how much it has going for it beyond that. However... I don't think you'll ever see a movie that looks like this ever in your life. It's just a fantastic style. I love the... It, you know what it reminded me of? Pen and ink drawings. Right. Because you have these extremes of black and white. That's all they have. And they create... Well, I, there is color in a few scenes, actually. But very well, that, sparing. that was just used for effect. Right, right. It's very, very sparing. And the it, it reminds me of pen and ink in the sense of how you'd have to use line and texture in order to create the illusion of detail. And I thought they do that wonderfully. I love the woodwork in mm-hmm. the film the, and the bricks and everything right, had the wonderful detail. The lighting. It, yeah, the lighting is fantastic. I, I love the reflections were just amazing on glass. And they had great shots where... Karis and the uh, head of the the Avalon Corporation, their silhouettes mm. kind of, their reflections kind of merged, merged in the glass. Yeah. And it was a great scene. So I really loved all of that. I love the camera work as well. It's just really dynamic. And the chase scene in specifically is what I'm thinking yes, of. Yes, it was great. I loved how the camera would just zoom in and out of walls and they really used animation how it should be used, taking advantage of the medium, taking these shots you could never do in real life. Mm-hmm. Well, I certainly agree with you. I couldn't have said a lot of that better myself, so I won't repeat it. If I had to say, maybe to extend your comment on that, the visual style was all it had going yeah. for it, I would agree with you there as well. Yeah. I wish, you know, Sin City with its different visual style. It also told its story in a very different yeah. way. It's very stylized. This should have been more like that. I think it should have taken the whole thing further. And because yeah. it's a pretty average story that, that you have going on here. It's yeah. been told many, many times. Although, being an average story that's overtold, they managed to complicate it ridiculously. Well, yeah, they did complicate it. I mean, because (laughs) there are points that you have no clue who the hell anybody is or what they're doing. I do agree with you there. It does get a little complicated. Actually, I'll, I'll comment further on what you just said here in a little bit. But... I think, you know, I'm not saying they needed to copy Sin City and make this more like a film noir, but I think they could have gotten more creative with the storytelling rather than just needlessly complicated. I agree. And as far as the characterization, if I had to maybe make one knock against this visual style, I a lot of times had trouble telling who supporting characters were. 
mainly because with the extreme whites and extreme blacks, you don't have detail. In other words, detail yeah. for the facial features. You know, it even took me a while sometimes to figure out or to get a, accustomed to the main characters. See, I, I didn't because the voice acting was... I, the voice acting kept me apart, and well, I don't. I don't think I ever had a moment where I was. I wondered. Who you're right. If they if they were speaking, perhaps. But like for instance, his comrades in the police force, they're shown a lot of throughout the film. Yeah. And a lot of times they don't have speaking moments. Okay, so you're talking about the periphery characters, yeah, not more. The main yeah, characters. I eventually got on to the main characters, okay. you know, and and, and recognize them. Especially with the voicing, but there's a lot of supporting characters in this. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. I didn't have the same problem, but I could see... I, I see what you mean. Yeah, I, I see what you're talking about, though. But the getting back to the plot, too, I, I think what you were saying about filling out the plot, making it a little grander than just this simple story... I, I think they touch on these themes that would be great, and they just tease you with them, and they never explore them. I mean, for example, the, the whole idea of living in a big, big brother-type society. Granted, it's been done a million times, but right. I, I think that's still a relevant... I mean, Children of Men did it and did it oh, phenomenally yeah. Especially well. today, it's very yeah. relevant. And I, I thought the issue of the human desire for immortality and why why that's a question of whether that's a goal that we should try to attain or not. I thought that was an interesting thing, but other than the one moment of discussion with uh, Ian Holmes' character, right, Jonas, Jonas yeah, you, you don't get anything. You get that one discussion, and that's it. And that discussion was enough to convince Karis that, no, we have to stop people from Avalon from having the power to create immortality. Right. And you don't really see why. I mean, I think the ethics and science question is another one that they could have explored with, with the children that died with progeria. Mm -hmm. And they just never really do it. They never follow through on any of these themes. And as a result, you just get kind of a basic kidnapping story and with a detective trying to figure out what's going on right and at the end of the day i mean this is a sci-fi film and i i think in sci-fi more than other types of film it's important to explore these types of issues because you have a type of freedom in science fiction because children of men if if they would have made this similar plot with like George Bush being the head of the country, and you'd have people protesting and everything. Right. But by doing sci-fi, having it take place in a in a removed society from ours, right. you can speak just as loudly, but yet right stay clear of protesting. Exactly. And people taking it too literal. Exactly. So that that's pretty much how I thought. Was there anything you wanted to add about the plot? You. No, I mean, I agree with everything you say. I think it could have been filled out a little better. It's good enough, it's told well enough that you stay interested in it. I was never yeah, bored no, with Yeah, no, no, and the visual style, too, keeps you from being oh, bored. Oh, well, I yeah, mean, the visual style alone is just a sight to behold, I mean. Yeah, because it's, it's an hour 45 minutes, and that's... 
that's not long enough to get bored of how it looks. It's oh, just amazing. Right. I, I, I'm going to highly recommend the film yeah. for its visual style right. alone. You won't really have an epiphany with the story. No, no. But, uh... And it's unfortunate, because I think they had some interesting ideas there. Right, right. It was a, a good foundation. The visual style, though, is something I, of course, will always continue hoping that they continue to yeah. explore. And, uh, it worked with great success here. I thought even, aside from just the, the <laughs> black and white style, the design of the city was Oh, great. yeah. I mean, a lot of the ideas for the, the structures of the buildings. The Avalon building. Yes. I loved how it looked. It, it was great. CEO's office kind of in that bridge. It, yeah. It was, there's a lot of good stuff here. Yeah. And this is director Volkman's first film, first feature-length film, so I'm hoping that he continues in animation and we can see something that maybe this one he focused more on the visual style maybe his next one since he has a visual style down maybe he can give us a more deep plot and theme to right. it so what are you going to give renaissance i'm going to give it a very good four i'm giving it a four as well pretty much all for the visuals but it's worth it just for that Now we take a look at the DVD release of Zodiac. Director David Fincher made a huge splash in the serial killer genre in 1995 with the movie Seven. Over ten years later, it is still considered the definitive serial killer film, with a combination of style, suspense, and dread that so few films of the genre capture. Having created a masterpiece, it at first seems strange that Fincher would choose to return to the genre with Zodiac until you realize that the film isn't about the famed serial killer as much as it is that the, man, the men who are determined, even obsessed, to find out who he is. One thing we can't deny is that despite similar subject matter, the film is vastly different from Seven. But is it still a terrific film, or does it pale in comparison to his previous effort? Right. Well, you know, I, I think, first of all, comparing it to Seven is a, it, you know, it is a totally different film, as you said. So it, it's tough to compare the two, but it's just judging it as film quality overall, I would say that it's not anywhere near Seven. But I do think it's still a pretty good film. I do like the style of it. I, I don't want to take credit for another critic's work, so I'm just going to... Uh, I, I can't recall who said it, but another critic mentioned that um, the film... Not only, did it, not only did it take place in the late 60s and the 70s for the most part, it looks like a film that could have been made in the 70s. Right. And it really does. It... it the the set design and the color palette especially the kind of browns and right. and earth tones that are used it really makes you think of a film like the french connection or something like that that it's yeah we all uh, thought of that film immediately <laughs> well sorry. people who have watched <laughs> 70s films have seen the french connection i do agree with you though. <laughs> I, I actually consider that a highlight of the film it's, yeah. it's you know kind of believability for the time period Right, and I, I think also 
the there are great performances from the three leads: Jake Gyllenhaal, Mark Ruffalo, and Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Jr. Particularly Robert Downey Jr., who, as always, steals the scene <laughs> in every single scene he shows up in. He's the center of attention, as he usually does Paul in any Avery. movie. Oh, he's absolutely, in. yeah. I mean, he's a terrific actor, and it's just. It's a shame that he was in jail for a while, because you just wonder what you might have missed from him while he was in there. So hopefully he stays out, because I look forward to seeing him continually. I loved him in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and I loved him in this. Um, so, also, another thing I liked is I thought that there were some very tense scenes. I thought that the woman in the wherever the woman is picked up by the guy with her baby yeah that that is a really tense scene the whole way through i also thought that the scene with Gyllenhaal in the basement of the guy's yes. house that is really really tense especially when he turns the light out yeah i mean it's it's fantastic work here and it does remind you at its best of some moments from 7 well, I agree with you. I actually really like this film, too. And I think for all the reasons you just explained, the, the performances were great. I thought that the way it was filmed was great. It's certainly believable that era. I thought that the movie does a, a good job. It, it sort of reminded me of the movie we reviewed last week, The Vanishing. Yeah. Because, you know, in that movie, Saskia gets kidnapped, and, and this man just cannot let it go. And yeah. And he does, he has to find out, even if he knows the price is his life. And in this movie, it's kind of the same thing. Maybe not as high stakes, although there's certainly some tense scenes where his life to the viewer right. feels threatened. But, but that same sort of obsession, where even years and years after, when everyone else has laid the, the Zodiac killer to rest, you have one man who's so obsessed, he still has to, right. to continue to find out. He just has well, to know Really, who he is. three. I mean, because Robert Downey Jr. is Paul Avery. His life's essentially destroyed because of his obsession over True. the Zodiac. And Mark Ruffalo, as the, the police inspector, he his life is also kind of driven and, and, by this desire to know who the Zodiac right. is. Right. At first, you think he's able to put it down. Yeah. You know, as he gets in trouble at work with, yeah. and everything, but uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is kind of... He's the most driven. Right. In three. fact, he kind of even revitalizes the, the policeman right. obsession with it. Right. I, I see where you're coming from with The Vanishing. I mean, it's nowhere near as good as The Vanishing. I'll, I'll definitely say that. But I it they are both about obsessions. And you're right. It, it's the... Both are involved obsessions over a crime that's been committed and people who just can't let it go. Right. I mean, in the case of The Vanishing, it's only three years, and in Zodiac, it's, like, close to 20 till right. everything's from, said and done. Yeah, you have from, like, 69 into, like, the early 80s. Yeah, and then and it it's, like, 91 jumps. when yeah. his book's finally published, published. I believe. Yeah. So it it's definitely... It, it definitely drove their lives, and it is an interesting look at obsession. Now, I, I mentioned about the good moment, the tense scenes that worked. I also think there, though, are some scenes that are meant to be tense, and I just felt nothing in them. 
Uh, one is the one of the opening scenes whenever the guy and the girl are in the car and the Zodiac approaches them. I I knew that it was setting up attention, but I just felt nothing watching that scene. It was just like watching everything take place. I watched the Zodiac come up. It was very mechanical, and I just I never felt that sense of dread like you get in a movie like Seven. I thought that was a pretty good scene, though. Well, another scene that I didn't think worked was whenever the couple are at the lake and are approached by the Zodiac. Once again, I knew what was coming, but it just it didn't give me that feeling of dread. That one did feel a little out of place. I guess I would forgot about that till you mentioned it now. But yeah, that one, I have to admit, that was strange. It almost seemed out of character for the way the Zodiac would behave. Yeah, well, yeah. And and I just, I, I don't know, I think a lot of it c- comes down to how the shots might have been composed. I mean, watching it only once, I can't go into too much detail <laughs> about it. But, because the acting was fine, and the setup for the scene is something that could be very tense. In fact, similar scenes in this movie are very tense, that are very similar. But... It just, for whatever reason, didn't work. I think for it's me. a stark contrast because you have this beautiful lake scene, beautiful yeah. foliage, and you know views. <laughs> then you just have this man dressed in black with kind yeah. of a sock over his head, you know. And it's almost comical, right? The things he has them do. You're right, and how he looks too. Right, because I mean, he looks kind of goofy. He does. So, I think that might be part of the problem too. Another issue I had is I thought that the movie... Now, granted, it's about their obsession, so it's not going to be driven as far as a continuous plot line necessarily, but I I felt that it wandered around a little bit too much, and particularly at the ending, I felt it was dragging. Because the last half hour or so of the film, I just stopped caring, because it was more of the same. And I just didn't think you needed that extra half hour at the end. I agree. I think, in a way, you know, as soon as he had Jake Gyllenhaal's character kind of had his realization there at Mm. the end, you could have stopped it. Right. And I think you would have been fine. I think the length of the movie as a whole is an issue. It's about two and a half hours. It is. It's actually, yeah, closer to two hours and 40 minutes. So it's it's, uh, definitely too long. But at the same time, I, for most of that, it is very riveting. It's only really into the last half hour where you start to your attention starts to wander right. a little bit. If I had to maybe make another nitpick, mm-hmm. and I won't let this affect the score too much, only because I'm not sure if it was an issue with the DVD. I had to turn this movie up to like maximum volume. To really, hear the characters. The the sound effects and the music came in fine. And then once they started talking, it was like I strained to hear them. So basically I had to just turn up the volume and any time sound effects or music played cover my ears <laughs> to keep from being deaf. I don't know. I, I had absolutely no problem with that. Yeah, I, I can't tell if that was a, a... I guess maybe it was my DVD player or something if you didn't have the same problem. At first I thought it was... Yeah. You know, the way they mixed the soundtrack, it, they just made the effects and the, the orchestration way too dominant. But Yeah, I, I didn't Maybe have it was just me. It. 
Okay, well, then I won't let it affect the score, <laughs> of which I'm going to give it a good one. I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to give it a three and a half. I didn't like it quite as much, but it's still definitely a very good film. Okay, well, in honor of The Simpsons, our top five list this week is going to be the top five TV shows that we'd most like to see made into a feature film. Uh, Doug, I'll let you start off and say what your uh, qualifications were for your list and get us started with your number five. Well, there wasn't many qualifications other than it had to be a TV show, not (laughs) already a movie made about it. Okay. And uh, I toyed around with the thought I was going to choose some that might have had, like, uh, movies made for TV or DVD, but I ended up not putting them on the list either. So, with that said, (laughs) my number five movie, in honor of the the more recent Miami Vice, which I thought had a lot of positives for it, but a lot of negatives, I'd like them to make a movie of Hawaii Five-O. Really? Yes, for the theme song. <laughs> Is that the one with Higgins? That's Bookum, Dano, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I actually never saw the show. It's been a long time, and I, I, I hardly remember it. I'd have to rewatch a lot of the episodes to, to remember, like, character names and, you know, a lot of the, the plot things. But, like I said, Miami Vice was a... a I hope they could take it in that style, whereas the movie Miami Vice didn't really resemble the TV show a whole lot. Yeah. You know, it was, I thought a lot of its night photography was great. I think. Oh, yeah, Michael Mann's terrific at cinematography. Could do some things like that with this movie, with Hawaii Five-0. And I think I always liked Hawaii Five-0 better than Miami Vice, so... Maybe well, Michael Mann could have a second chance with this one. Yeah, you, you might be onto something there. My number five choice is Deadwood. Now, this one is, was borderline for me, but the reason it made the list, even though it's one of my favorite TV shows, the reason it's only number five on the list is because I'm not sure it would be a great movie or great show to turn into a film just because so much of it depends on the episodic nature. I, you know, because whenever you have basically a season's a whole storyline... And that's 13 hours worth of story. To condense that to a two-hour film is kind of difficult. But I think they could do it. They have fascinating plot lines. The characters are amazing. I love the actors, especially Ian McShane, who plays Al Swearingen, who actually is going to be in the new The Darkest Rising movie, movie coming out. And he's fantastic as... Basically, the Tony Soprano character of Deadwood. And I, I really think it's, it's last season just aired, and I'd like people to start and um, discover it, because it's really worth watching. I think a lot of people have discovered it. I thought it's a pretty popular series, isn't it? Not, not exceptionally. Oh, really? That's why it only lasted a I few years. I don't get years. HBO. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, kind of... Adding to what you said about you weren't sure whether it would be right for a movie. I think probably a lot of everything on my <laughs> list you could say that for. But I think what you could, do, what my criterion were based off of, you had some good characters, strong characters. You know, 
even if the, the plot line of the series is more episodic in nature, I think if you have strong characters, you could probably work it into a movie, just like The Simpsons right, did. Right, and You're right. And for that, with that said, I'll introduce my number four movie, Spin City. Oh. Now, it was a, a good comedy while yeah. it was on, on the show, but I would like to see them make it into a movie just because, aside from really liking the characters, I think it could be a good political satire. Yeah. Which, the movie, it was pretty edgy, but a lot of times I think you could tell they were holding back. Yeah. I think maybe if they could make the movie, they could use a lot go of the jokes out. and stuff. Yeah, go all out. Use jokes that you could see coming in the TV series, but it's like, oh, well, this is television. We can't yeah. skirt those lines. Really, I one of the strengths I always felt with Sin City was the cast too. That's right, definitely right. one you'd want to them to use the original cast, I not agree. pull Miami Vice or anything. Right. Now that that's a good choice. My number four choice is Futurama, which there are actually rumors that right, a that, film, but it might only be a DVD. And it might end up being like The Simpsons, and, where those rumors will linger for well, ten or so years yeah. before they actually make it. As I mentioned, the Simpsons review. I think Futurama actually is a better show than The Simpsons. Even I think it's funnier, and what it's doing is a little more clever. I think, and I'd love to see them, you know, do an ep- a movie that kind of spoofs some sci-fi movie from the fifties. You know, do like a Invasion of the Pod People episode, Invasion of the Body Snatchers episode or movie or. Or something along that line. The day, a day, jeez, I can't talk. <laughs> the day the earth stood still or something like that. I think they could really do something with that. I agree. I love Futurama and I would love to see them make a movie out of that. My number three choice, I actually switched to, to sci-fi. <laughs> and I probably would replace it with Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> but I have yet to see the series, so I'm going to put Babylon 5. Yeah, that almost made spot. my list. Uh, it's It ran, what, seven seasons? Five. Oh, five. Okay, well, obviously I'm not a fan enough to know <laughs> how long it was on, but it was good. It had good characters, good storylines, and then even you had a, a spin-off series that yeah, got marred weeks. by the man. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, an interesting thing is that just this week, releasing on DVD is the first in a series of Babylon 5 The Lost Tales, where he takes a plot line that he never got to do in the show and fleshes it out and makes a two-hour movie. The, the first one is going to deal like ten years after the sh- series. He also wants to do one dealing with the telepath war and... And stuff like that. So there, we are sort of getting that, but not a theatrical release. Because that's why I'd like to see Babylon 5, is to see what he would do with a bunch of money. Right. <laughs> you know, you could see so many cool special that effects. That probably without the interference of, right. in right. this case, TV executives that wanted the series to be something else. Yeah, I agree. I think that would be really cool. My number three choice is Arrested Development. <laughs> I, you know, first of all, there is possibility this could happen because uh, Ron uh, Howard, and and uh, he's obviously directed a, a number of films. Fantastic films. Yeah, some of them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so there's precedent that he could do this. 
And I love the whole mockumentary set setup of the show. I think they could make a really interesting mockumentary about the Bluth family. Well, that's a good choice. I've only seen a few of the episodes, but they're very, oh, it's very funny. My number two choice, and I actually got to cut together an episode of this as a practice for one of my uh, classes in college, is Quantum Leap. Oh, I was thinking about that. <laughs> I think that the premise alone sets up for a good yeah. good movie. You have uh, Sam, who is experimenting with it's the accelerator, right? That was the name of the device. Yeah, like the Quantum Leap Accelerator, right. I think it was called. But he ends up using it before it's ready, because he right. doesn't want to lose funding from the man. <laughs> but he ends up being trapped, going from time period to time period, being trapped in people's bodies... Helping them right wrongs and hoping that each leap will be the leap. Yeah, that was be... like almost word for word for the intro to the show. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was a great series nonetheless. No, it it was a really good series. I I it's one that I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people have never heard of. It's it's one of those when I was younger, I thought everyone saw it, and now when I ask people, it's they like, give me that, that look. Yeah. yeah. And it, it ran for a couple of years, didn't it? Like It ran for like five or... I, I think he maybe even seven. I mean, it, it was a long run. Like, I can't remember. It was like late 80s into the early 90s. Yeah, it was a long-running show. But, uh, yeah, definitely. It, it, I think they could make a cool movie with that. My number two choice... Curb Your Enthusiasm. I had this on my list, and I actually scratched it off. <laughs> and really, I, I won't spend too much time, because my reasons are very similar to Arrested Development, in that it'd be neat to see a mockumentary film of Larry David and something. Maybe they could even make, do an episode where he's trying to make a new film. I mean, they could turn that into a movie. Right. And the shows are hilarious. Oh, yeah. And you never want them to end. So you could even have, you know, this could be one of those movies that could go over two hours. That I <laughs> yeah, yeah. About. Rare, but it could happen. Right. All right, well, that brings us to our number ones. Now, you said before we started recording that you thought you knew one that was on my list. <laughs> and it's probably going to be right here. What did you think? I thought, welcome back, That Potter. is my number one. You are right. <laughs> this was a fantastic TV show. And, you know, it could even easily be marketed today where, you know, like a teen, teen flick. You know, you have four kids in school, very diverse cultures, diverse backgrounds, but, you know, they're known together as a group, the Sweat Hogs, mm -hmm. and... Maybe cast Shia LaBeouf, or... Hey, he, would yeah. be, he did great in Transformers, um, and... I can't remember his name, the, um, from The Lookout in Brick. Um, yeah, I know who you mean, I can't think of. Joseph Gordon. <laughs> oh, okay, that that's his name. Yeah, he would be fine. Too. Yeah, yeah, I, I I'm think. Sure. But the problem is, you realize if they did that, they'd have to put John Travolta in it, and I think that would be awful. Uh, maybe they could dress him up as a girl like they did in hairspray. <laughs> and... Yeah, people seem to love that. <laughs> Oddly enough, I've heard people say I've talked to people that don't even know that's John Travolta. Yeah, I didn't until it came up with the name on the trailer. So honestly. I can understand that. 
But anyways, being that it was one of my favorite TV sitcoms, I would love, of course, to see it in, as a film. And like Hawaii Five-0, if for the series alone, I'd get to hear the classic theme song one more time. God, I hated that show so oh. much. Maybe they could do like the theme song as a rap or something. Maybe. Well, no, because then I would hate it. I don't want Maybe that. Maybe Mr. Cotter teaches it in an urban uh, inner city school or something. Well, that's basically basically what, yeah. what the series is. It's just now. the yeah. inner city has changed somewhat. Yeah, a little bit. But all right, well, yeah. that's a horrible choice. Oh, you didn't say that. <laughs> you gave us a good laugh. So, <laughs> number one for me, I don't think. There's any question what it would be? You can probably guess. Oh, maybe you oh, can. Oh, Battlestar yes, Galactica. Yes, I guess I had mentioned that earlier. That's why it slipped my mind. Yeah, now, but. Battlestar Galactica is hands down the best show on television, and I, I just, I get upset because people who never watch it and who knew the old series just don't even want to try it because the old series was really campy. And I enjoyed it, but it was silly and goofy. <laughs> Whereas the new series is some of the most intelligent writing we have in television today. I mean, they deal with issues like terrorism, like torturing prisoners. And it, it's just, it's, it's very current issues. It's doing what sci-fi should do in that it attacks the issues of the day and it has a degree of protection because it's sci-fi it's not it's not quote real so and it does Battlestar Galactica another thing is a lot of people I talk to who aren't even sci-fi fans love Battlestar Galactica because it doesn't even feel like sci-fi I mean it, it granted it takes place on the ship but in a lot of ways it's like West Wing in space in some regards the combat, they don't have laser guns or anything like that. They use missiles or machine guns. Or... <laughs> no no wimpy guns on this. We, no. we go yeah. right to the missiles. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> they, they use conventional missiles and weapons that we could have today. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. And uh, I, I would love to see a movie based on this. They are making a made-for-television movie. But it'd be great to see what they would do with a larger budget. Especially since so much sci-fi is horrible. And it just, there's not a thought. You have a movie like Transformers, which, while it had some decent moments to it, there's just not a thought going on in its pretty little head. And to get something like Galactica on the big screen that would have some philosophy or theme going behind it would be a great change of pace for theatrical sci-fi. Unfortunately, the budget for Battlestar Galactica is going to fund the Welcome Back Cotter movie. So. Oh, God. Well, maybe we can get Edward James Olmos to play, uh, play Cotter in the Welcome Back Cotter. <laughs> no, but uh, seriously, uh, that's another issue I want to say. Is I talked about the great acting in Deadwood. I think it's probably even better in Battlestar Galactica. There aren't really clear-cut heroes and villains that... Characters are fleshed out humans or Cylons in the case of the Cylons, but th there isn't a clear case of good or bad. So I basically have turned this into a commercial for Battlestar Galactica, but I just really want this is its last season. I want everyone to catch up 
by January and watch the so series. if you have some time in between the episodes of Welcome Back, Cotter, <laughs> maybe catch a back. I don't Star even Galactica. think Welcome Back, Cotter's on TV anymore. No, I think even nobody Nick dropped it. Nobody listening knows what the fuck you're talking. Oh, about. Oh, I beg to differ. About All right, that. if you're listening to us, yeah, but email wait, there's us. like ten people that listen. To well, this. I understand. And, and, t- <laughs> and ten people, I'd say you might have. No. I'm not saying we won't count no response against you. I'm saying send us an email whether you've seen Cotter or don't know what the hell we're talking about. All right. All right. All right. And we'll see what we get. All right. So those are our lists. Aside from telling Doug that he's crazy, we we also would like you to give your response. What TVs would you like to see made into movies? We'd really interested to know. Okay, that's all for today's show. If you would like to review any of the ratings that we gave the movies that we covered today, please visit thosemovieguys.blogspot.com. There you can find more in-depth reviews, our star ratings, as well as links to items that we may have covered in the show. Plus, you can subscribe to our feed. Also, you can visit Google Groups at groups.google.com. When you're there, search for Those Movie Guys. You can post a message to our forums. And you can also email us at thosemovieguys at gmail.com. It's thosemovieguys at gmail.com. We look forward to any feedback that you can give us about why we're retarded. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.